Okay, so I messed that up. So you're going to have to cut that out. <laughs> We're going to leave it in. This is going to be the blooper at the start of the episode. Oh, God. Um, okay. Everybody's got, but for 20 minutes, people are going to be, there's going to be people that are going to walk away from this uh, podcast and they're going to be like, Colt doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. What the hell is uh, we've are, We're like 20 episodes into this thing. We've already proved that. We're just, two guys. <laughs> we've already proved that Colt doesn't know what the hell <laughs> No, we're about. just two guys talking out of their ass. Okay, perfect. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. And there were in the same country shepherds. Abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night, and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid, and the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Welcome to the Go to Hell podcast, where strong opinions are weekly held about Christianity, church, and whatever else strikes our fancy. Please subscribe and give the smashing review these two cis white males deserve. <laughs> I'm your host, Tim Curley, and I'm joined by my co-host, co-host, damn, Colton Pierce. Colton, tell us how you do. I'm doing great, Tim. Uh... Got all my Christmas shopping done. Guys, this is our Christmas episode. We are super excited. We're festive. We're ready for the holidays. Um, but I, I got all my Christmas shopping done, and I kind of wanted to talk about it on here. I know that this is going to air before Christmas, but no shot that my wife listens to it before Christmas. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I, I wanted to get your take on this, Tim, because... Um, I was curious. I uh, I bought my wife something for Christmas. Now, my wife has one of those wonderful situations where her birthday is right next to Christmas. So my wife is actually a pagan baby. She was born on December 21st like a heathen <laughs> on the winter solstice. Uh, and uh, so four days later is Christmas. And she's awesome. We love every single year. We I try my best to make sure that each day is its own individual thing. It's it's special. Like we want to honor her birthday and then we honor Christmas. Um, it's two separate things. So I always get her two separate gifts. Um, and this year, no different. Um, but I asked her before buying her gifts, I asked her, would you like something practical or would you like something fun? Now there's different people out there that like different types of gifts, right? And there's some that like practical gifts. They're like, um, like, some people are like, I need new running shoes. Can you get me a pair of running shoes? I need like a jacket because it's cold outside or something. And that's like one of my wife's favorite gifts that I've gotten her. And she talks about it still to this day is I bought her a Carhartt jacket because she works out in the cold all the time. And it was, you know, it's an, those Carhartt jackets are not cheap depending on which ones you get. So, uh, so that was one of her favorites, but she also likes to get like fun gifts. Fun gifts are, they can be like cosmetic stuff, you know, like, uh one year we got her a vanity you know like fun things um we got her backpacks uh she likes collecting these uh they're the little like disney backpacks or whatever and so she collects a bunch of those um so like kind of 
that's her fun stuff. So this year I asked her, do you want a practical gift or do you want a fun gift? And so for her birthday, I bought her a fun gift. But for Christmas, I brought her a practical gift. So you got her a... That is exactly what I got her. Oh, that's impressive. It is? <laughs> yeah. That is exactly what I got her. <laughs> so I was like... And so I bought it. And like after I bought it, I was like... I'm reminded of in The Princess Bride. He buys her like a blender and it like insults her like entire being. Oh, yeah. He's like, I just thought she would like to make smoothies or whatever, you know? <laughs> it seems very considerate of you. Uh, that's what it seems like. But I literally go and tell my coworker today and she was like, I just want to let you know that I knew once a, a couple where the guy got her and they nearly got a divorce over it. And I was like, I feel like there was more going on. Yeah, I think so. Than that, but I was like, all right, we'll see how this goes. But yeah, that's exactly what I got. That was awesome. <laughs> that was amazing. Well, that's. I have. It's what uh, we have twelve shopping days, eleven shopping days, and I have no idea what I'm getting my wife. And she asked me what I want, and I have no idea what she should get for me either. It's just one of those kind of years. That's how. It what do you get for the couple who has everything? <laughs> there was one year, I think like two years ago, where I was like proactive about it because every year, like people are like, "What do you want?" And I'm like, "I don't. I literally have no idea." And so, like two years ago, I was proactive. Like whenever I like found something throughout the year, I was like, "Oh yeah, like I really want this," and I was like, "I'll put it down on my list." Um, Cause it was like, hey, I probably won't buy it for myself, you know? And I just be like, this will be something that I can ask for. And I was like really good about it. And then like, I sent, I sent it out and I got like none of the things. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> all right, that was just pointless. Like, uh, and then this year, this year I've just asked for books and I'm pretty sure that that's mainly what I'm getting. So I'm excited about that. So I guess I should ask for podcast equipment. Yeah, that would be sweet. <laughs> I just... Again, oh, gift practi practical gifts versus fun gifts. I gift feel like certificate. That a little bit more practical. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, so your your week's going well. Otherwise, week's going well. Having a blast. How about you? How was your birthday? Uh, birthday was excellent. A lot of fun. We had a lot of guys over. I uh, wives were invited, and I'm perplexed as to why none of them showed up. I don't know if that says something about the company. I provide or but it was that very was funny. There it was, was very no odd right uh they all had an excuse what was my wife's excuse um she was tired but otherwise it was it was fun. it was a lot of fun we did blind blind beer tasting we had a filthy amount of beer uh still we'll be we'll be drinking i think we're gonna have to do another <laughs> beer tasting this weekend um and then there was cigars and whiskey and single malt that came out after around a fire. So it was it was wonderful. Yeah, maybe we should do a beer tasting this weekend because it's getting cold and Kauia is uh, not a warm environment. No, no. I think Saturday we should just drink what we've already spent our money on. Uh, so uh, birthday was good. Today was rough. It was not a good day today. Um. <laughs> so if you're familiar with college football uh the mississippi state coach mike leach died of a yeah. massive heart attack and uh 
it's really bummed me out all day. I I I have to say I'm I'm I've been depressed most of the day. So, um, I've been following that guy's career since he was on the offensive coordinator at Kentucky, coaching Tim Couch, the number one draft pick for the Cleveland Browns, and then he went to my Oklahoma Sooners and helped them win a national championship, and went on to be a really good head coach at a couple other stints, and bigger than that, he was, the guy was a real genius, he was, he was an iconoclast, he had, he was a character, um, just look him up, Is Mike Leach, L-E-A-C-H, look him up on the YouTube, there's just absolutely incredible clips, um, there's one from earlier this year, uh, where after they won, they won a game, and he's being interviewed after the game, and somehow, the sideline reporter, oh, the sideline reporter asks him for wedding advice, and he goes on to tell her, don't do the wedding, just get eloped, I'm saving you all kinds of money, <laughs> and anyway, the guy was a lot of fun, and um, college football was a lot, well, football, just not college football, he, he influenced all levels of football, but football was a lot better with him, and so I just really bummed me today, so. That's fair. So, cheers to him. Uh, I'll sell. I'll drink my sorrows away. You can celebrate or enjoy yours. What are we drinking today? Well, we got the uh, got this beer called the Danktoberfest. It's a West Coast double IPA from Alvarado Street Brewery, which is uh, in Salinas, right? So what I'm saying, we got a we got a couple of hops in here with Cascade Centennial, CTZ, and Citrus Cryo hops. So um, it says it's an annual showcasing a potent, oil-rich hops balanced with lightly. Uh, Kilned malt to welcome in the fall season, even though we're in winter. But it's delicious. It's really tasty. Yeah, when was this canned? I don't. It's on the bottom. September fifteenth, two thousand twenty-two. Okay. Pushing the pushing the envelope of freshness, but we're good. Still tastes good. It still tastes good. And uh, Salinas is a beautiful little town. Right off the coast, um, kind of like the slow of Monterey, if you want to put it that way. So, uh, uh well, for those who are San Luis, yeah, San Luis Obispo. Sorry, uh, yeah, it's, an, it's a nice part of the upper California coast. It's where uh, Curly's wife is from. And uh, and a mice and men. That's right. That's right. But they live in Soledad, so that's right. So we're doing our Christmas episode. Woo! We're gonna talk Luke and there's for those of you who aren't aware, there's only two depictions of baby Jesus, little baby Jesus. Sweet. Seven pound, eleven ounce baby Jesus <laughs> with your golden fleece diapers. It's in Luke and Matthew, and they're actually 
completely different accounts in many respects. Yes, they are. Yeah, they are. They're not the same. Um, there's a lot they're of- they're different. They're different both in um, the narrative. They don't contradict each other. They're just different narratives. Yeah, they're completely they, they focus on completely different parts of the story. Right. And because of that, the point of each one is completely different as well. The story that they're trying to drive home is, are are completely different. Right. So, like, you have, as we've talked about on this show before, we, we've gone, we've broken down the four different Gospels and kind of how those go. Uh, Matthew, you're getting <clears throat> this representation of, again, their target audience with the book of Matthew is they're looking at, um, uh, sorry, they're, it was distracted. Um, in the book of Matthew, they're looking at Jesus and it's their target audience is the Jews. Um, and so they are trying to present Jesus as the new Moses. Um, and so you'll see a lot of parallels in his birth narrative in there to the Moses story. Um, that's where you get, uh, the, the situation with Herod trying to kill, um, the firstborns, um, and they have to flee to Egypt. Kind of weird that they bring up Egypt um, and that kind of stuff. They, so that's where all of that stuff happens. And then in Luke, you get a completely different um, situation. Again, also in Matthew, you have the Magi. In, um, in Luke, you have the shepherds, right? These are, these are two different uh, depictions because Luke is focusing more on this is a Messiah that has come to bear our burdens. This is the man that is here for the lowest of the low. Um, and so also what is something that they mention that is huge and important about the Luke narrative is women. Women are involved in Luke's narrative. Um, now you do have the story of you have Mary um, in, uh, in Matthew. But in here you have this situation going on with Mary and and uh uh Martha? No. Uh in Luke? Yeah. John the Baptist or John the Baptist's mom. Uh yeah. Is it Martha? Okay. Uh and so you have Mary and Martha. Um you also have and I mean like we're gonna get into it, but there's there's he is a part of more also when it gives the lineage in Luke, it's Mary's lineage. Whereas in Matthew, it's Joseph's lineage. But what's funny about the Matthew one, right? Because also they, they hit specifically, there's David and there's um, all the way up to Adam, right? Through uh, the line in Matthew. In Luke, it was Elizabeth, not Martha. Elizabeth, sorry, my bad. No, sorry. Both... Sorry's on both our houses. People are going to come after me. Yeah, a pox on both our houses. Eliz- um, sorry. And then in uh, Mary's, and then in, sorry, in Luke's account, um, there are three women that come through the lineage. Um, and that's extremely important. Um, again, women being referenced is extremely important for understanding that Jesus is here for all people. And in that day and age and in that time frame, that just wouldn't have happened. People didn't include women in the lineage. So, um, that's just how it went. But then you have Ruth, you have Bathsheba, and you have um, 
might yeah, it might just be Mary, but there's a third one. So those are extremely important. And that's in Luke. And that's in Luke. Yes. Well, let me read read from Luke. Actually, you know what? I'm going to read. I'm going to read Luke, and then we were just going to focus on Luke. But let's let's just read both and tackle both, so we can show the difference. Uh, Luke, starting in chapter two, verse one. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, cloths, and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. We'll circle back to that word. And in the same region, there were shepherds out, on, out in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And there will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with angel, an angel multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. In other manuscripts, it says, with uh, peace and goodwill to men, which is why that's in a lot of our common day uh, carols, um, Charlie Brown Christmas. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard, heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Okay, item number one. I'm reading from the ESV, but I think it's in a lot of our English translations, and it's certainly probably what most of you either know or remember from uh, this accounting that there was no place, there was no room for them in the inn. They were not in an inn. They weren't staying in some hotel. There, there wasn't a Motel 6 in... Right. <laughs> they were mostly, most likely staying at somebody's place that they knew, either a family member or a friend. Right. Nor were they say, uh, staying out in the barn, so to speak. Yeah. 
they were most likely in the houses at that time had a bottom floor where stuff was stored. The kitchen was there and the, and the animals were stored there at night because it's cold and keep them away from critters. So they are most likely staying downstairs with the animals because there's no other room in this place that they're staying at because either this place isn't big enough to have a guest room or the guest room is also taken up by other family and friends. Which that would probably be the case. Correct. Uh, number two, we also have this idea, I think it's just kind of gotten put in our heads that they basically stop at this inn because they were late getting where they're supposed to go or they're, you know, whatever. Or it took them a day going from house to house trying to figure out where to stay and they couldn't. And then finally the baby arrives. Also not the case. They had been there probably for a while. Yeah. Because this isn't one just like a one-day thing. Like a lot of the things we talk about, we talked about the wedding a couple weeks ago. It's The weddings then aren't like weddings today. They go on for a week. This thing is, this census that's going on is a long process. Yeah, it's a huge long process. Also, part of that is just understanding that, understanding women and that kind of stuff. We Nowadays, like again, we kind of try to take our spin on it. When we think about women, we try to put them in the most comfortable position possible for when they're like giving birth and that kind of stuff. But remember, women, uh, that wasn't necessarily the priority um, back then. It was more of like, we have a lot of people here up in the main living area um, upstairs, um, which again is, is fairly common. That's where they would have a lot of that stuff going on. And so... There would be a lot of people up there, and actually it probably would not be best for somebody who's giving birth to be in the middle of Correct. that. And so that's why she was probably down um, stairs in the stable area. She probably had people that were there that were that were helping her and that kind of stuff. Like, It's not just like we think that Joseph is the only person. They had nowhere to stay, and so they're just here with the animals, and those are the only people that witness like right. Jesus' birth or whatever. That's not... Yeah, that's not how that goes, um, but that's that's just what happened, you know, so that's, that's where it goes from there. So. Minor thing. But, yeah, minor thing, no big deal. But just, when you're imagining it, well, it's, it's nice to know the truth, right? You know, it's nice to know what's going on. Uh, yeah, this is one of these stories we've talked about before that's kind of like we have we have the Sunday school version of, of the story still on our mind as the adults. Flannel the flannel graph, yeah. right. And a lot of that's just because... The, 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 it's easier to tell the songs we sing adopt that nice, simplistic, uh, well, simplistic, but also over dramatized version of the story. And so it just gets stuck in our head, has nothing to do with the importance of the story that you didn't know these things. I mean, you know, so, um, one other final little note, also not really of that much significance, but just another another little tidbit to just show that uh, Madison Avenue's been lying to you about the nativity scene. Uh, Jesus wasn't in. The manger wasn't this little piece of wood trough. It was almost likely stone because pretty much all of the mangers in Israel at the time, Judea, Galilee, were stone because 
there was no wood. This was a, a this is a desert area. They don't they're not going to use wood in order to make a manger. They're gonna, right. they got stone lying around everywhere. Right, and where you get a lot of that influence from is understanding just the culture for like years and years. Um, has taken on like they've they in ancient in the ancient world or once the <laughs> sorry once the plague happened. And the Catholic Church takes over. They've got this huge thing, right? This is just the stories that they tell. For people for years and years and years when they envision things, and this is why you end up also with a white Jesus, who just so we're clear. Sure, you have a white Jesus, and for a lot of black churches in the United States, you have a black Jesus, so whatever. Right. And the reason why you depict that is because that is what you can imagine. Correct. Right? That is just... It's what you have available, right? If you're living in Northern Europe and you hear about a manger and you're like, well, mine's made out of wood. Right. Right? Like, oh, okay, yeah, a manger, right? Like, you don't really understand because, again, you're not actively traveling to Jerusalem on a regular basis to see what they've got. Right. right. Um, well, some people during that time were actively t- 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 going to Jerusalem, um, but they uh, those were called <laughs> crusades. Yeah, they were there. Just, they were there to slaughter and conquer. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I guarantee they weren't taking subjugate on, on their mangers at the time. <laughs> they were just like, oh, they're stone. Uh, we still have a crusades episode coming up, and boy, man. <laughs> um. So yeah, and again, this this changes nothing. Like if this is earth-shattering information for you, like I'm sorry, this isn't going to. Well, again, we're just trying to to show the scene. We're trying to show a more realistic like representation of what the scene is. You should, um, and and understand that that's how the Bible works. Is that it, it moves very quickly, and there's a lot of details that are left out. And so when you are imagining these things make it, make adjustments let's get back to the the real honest image of what it looks like right like let's not go to the what you were talking about the, we have the flannel gla- graph version which is nice it's easy to teach to kids right noah's ark is really easy to teach to kids you know <laughs> like again we we toss up these stories never mind the fact that we're talking about yeah and then there was like the murder of every single person right right, right right you yeah. know like we don't say that to the children we're right. Just like, and so we save the animals two by two, you know. <laughs> so, uh, again, this is us breaking it down and saying, "Hey, this is a bit more raw version of what the Christmas story looks like." So, um, and again, not that like uh, stone makes it like that much more hardcore, but you know, like, no, it's it, but and and you know the probably the thing that's that is similar whether what what it was what the manger was made of whether it be stone or what we have in our minds wood, it was probably was similar that it had straw in it that Jesus was lying on because that's what they had to right. make it soft. So it's still the same thing. But um so what are the big take takeaways from this passage? Here here's my big takeaway. Oh also I remember that third woman. What? I said sorry to derail you, but I remember the third woman. It's the chick from uh, Jericho. Remember the one that puts out like the red? red oh, uh, she's the she's the third woman. So it's the, it's her. It's Ruth. Rebecca? It's... No. Martha? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> We're just gonna double down on Martha for every day. <laughs> it's her. I think it starts Ruth, with an R. <laughs> Ruth. It's not Rebecca. And uh, Bathsheba, <laughs> the three women. Two of which 
are yeah. from scandalous situations. She was a prostitute. Uh, Ruth was a widow. No, she took care of her. Uh, no, she wasn't a widow. Um, geez, I'm like butchering. I you're, need to you're, go home. And you're still rec- you're still recovering from the cold. I am, dude. Uh, so we we. We're doing club water polo now, and it's just very cold out on a pool deck, getting splashed with water, and for a couple of hours. And hour. for for anybody who's listening, who is in an area where it's truly cold, just so you understand, we, we are last two nights, and for the next couple nights, we we are having freeze warnings. So, yes, Marcus, if someone is somebody's a soccer coach out Some, in the snow. someone in minnesota or south dakota is listening to this yes mock us all you want but it is it is at least getting below freezing here so um sorry my body isn't acclimated <laughs> so you were saying these ladies are mentioned in luke well you, uh, you might have to cut it out because maybe it's matthew in the lineage where's the lineage at <laughs> Uriah's wife is Bathsheba. Correct. And there's, which is after, which is from David. So then three generations up should be Ruth, right? Because you have, who did she marry? Yes. Salmon or Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. It's it was Rahab. Rahab. It was an R. I knew it was an R. You were close. And then Ruth, the father of Obed. Whose mother was Ruth? There it is. Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. And so it mentions all three women there? Yeah. Well, except for Bathsheba's not really mentioned there. She's the wife of Uriah. Yeah, she's just, well, you know, we don't... We'll talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, okay, so... Okay, so Matthew is the one that has that lineage. Okay, so I messed that up. So you're going to have to cut that out. (laughs) We're gonna leave it in. This is gonna be the blooper at the start of the episode. Oh, God. Um, okay, everybody's. Got, but for twenty minutes, people are gonna be. There's gonna be people that are gonna walk away from this uh, podcast and they're gonna be like, "Colt doesn't know what the hell he's talking about." What the hell? Is uh, we've are, we're like twenty episodes into this thing. We've already proved that we're just. Two guys. <laughs> we've already proved that Colt doesn't know what the. Hell <laughs> no, he's we're about. just two guys talking out of their ass. Okay, perfect. All right. At least we go and we like check it though. We like fact check. But there is supposed to be a lineage in Luke. Luke is supposed to have one. Ah. Here you go. Uh, priest named Zechariah, who belonged to the priestly division of the Abijah. It, his wife was Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Aaron. <laughs> Aaron. Uh, that's something close. Huh. Maybe. Hmm. I don't know. Keep going and I'll take a look. But you know what's funny about uh, the scriptures is, again, also something that we don't ever talk about is, uh, so Jesus is supposed to be from the line of David, right? Right. But who does it follow for his lineage through the line of David? It's Joseph, who he's not 
Yeah. <laughs> You're like, ah! <laughs> uh, well, um, just so we're clear, Joseph is not the father. Right. <laughs> so it's not his blood that is pumping through uh, Jesus's veins. <laughs> okay, but we need we need to clarify why that's not a problem, though. I, I, it's not a problem, but it's still funny, right? Like it, it is like, funny. <laughs> Cause that just it's not it's not because it's based on who it's 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 just as much based on who she's married to as it is. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. There's a. Okay. You know what? This is a nice little part to, time to stop. Well, you know, we said that we. What are some takeaways? Let's go. Let's, let's go. We'll go back to Luke in a minute. <laughs> I'm listening. Joseph had to put up a lot of crap. You had to put up with a lot. Because I don't know if, look, you got you got a choice of going around telling everybody, hey, man, it ain't me. <laughs> she got, a, you know, it's an immaculate conception. Oh, really? So you're crazy. Yeah. Um, it's. Uh, Luke 3, 23 through 28 is Mary's lineage. <clears throat> Sorry. 23. Anyways, yeah, yeah, Joseph goes through a lot of crap, right? Well, like what? Uh, what was it? Luke's uh Luke 3 23 through 28. Oh, it's oh, it's in 3. Okay. I know, right? Yeah. Um No, he goes through a lot of stuff because like again I mean, that's why he has to take <laughs> He take he has to think about it. There's a million reasons why he has to think about whether or not he wants to go through with this. Right. He also doesn't believe her. Well, I mean, that's what I'm saying. There's the... Yeah, you're full of it. Right. And you just don't want to admit it. And then there's the... If you Once you come to grips with, okay, she's telling the truth... Yeah, okay, fine, he's a terrible person for being self-absorbed, but, you know, okay. <laughs> so I got to go through the rest of my life with everybody knowing that I married someone who'd, who everyone's going to assume... Was unfaithful. Was unfaithful, and... And especially in that day and age? Yeah, in that day and age, I don't... Look, I don't can't say that I know, quote-unquote, first-century Jewish... Uh, culture that well, but I don't think anyone took. I don't think, I don't think you got an attaboy for taking a bastard child along. It was it, that was probably opposite. Right. No, it was. That was freedom to let her get stoned. Like, yeah. It was like you cheated on me, and this is unacceptable. So yeah, for all of that, he gets to take credit for Jesus being his lineage. <laughs> <laughs> It's just, I just think it's funny that they trace it like so far back and you're just like, he's not even your blood. Like, you know, like, but again, like, that's also the thing where it's, so it's just funny. Um, cause like Jesus isn't really related through that line. Um, I mean, like Joseph is the person that, that raises him and 
and, and that kind of stuff. And there's a lot of stuff that goes through that. Um, but it's just, it, it's just kind of like a little humorous bit. Um, if you really think about it, where it's just like, did he actually come from the line of David? Well, he did in that. Uh, I'm sure that marriage was arranged. It wasn't the, it wasn't, this isn't this two star-crossed lovers who fell in love. So it was arranged and either God chose Joseph or you, you know, or you, are you getting predestination? No, whatever. <laughs> no, I think Joseph did put up with a lot of crap. There's a lot of stuff that, that goes on with all of that um, that we don't understand. I mean, even just thinking about it in today's terms, if any woman on the earth sat there and was all of a sudden pregnant and she said it was from God, Nobody on this planet would believe them. No. No, no shot. No. I wouldn't believe them. Would you believe them? No. I was like, no. I wouldn't believe them. Uh, and so, like, that's where, you know, this is, this is crazy. Like, this is something that's, that has never been done before and has never been done again. And... And yes, we have like intervention that happens, right? With the angel coming to Joseph um, and explaining the situation. Um, and, and that's huge. Um, yeah, and that's where he comes to grips with, what, with what's happening is happening. And also... Is, again, is actually the case. But he still has to be like, okay, great. So I'm signing up for, you right. know, and it, it, the rest of my life being ridiculed or... Right, and if Joseph... So Mary, so let's, so for example, if somebody anywhere in the world today said that, that they were having God's baby and that they didn't have sex and they were pregnant. And then the person that they were engaged to at the time, who again had never had sex with them, is all of a sudden like, it's God's baby. We never had sex. Nobody would believe him either. No, <laughs> we would no. not. We would be like, yeah, okay, bud. <laughs> either, either you guys have had sex and you don't want to admit it, or uh, your uh, or your girl's cheating on you. Like it's one or the other. That's how we. That's all we would think. Nobody would believe that. It's also interesting, and it's this isn't a complaint. I'm not complaining at all. It's it's just an observation. I, and this has always been a uh, question, excuse me, God, question. Obviously, we just know very little about Joseph. He's he's barely mentioned. He's barely mentioned before Jesus' birth, after Jesus' birth. We just know very little about him. I mean, I, we, <laughs> the guy clearly raises him. But we just know nothing, and it's it's always been interesting. Well, and here's another question that I have, and this is me just spitballing right now. This is me, uh, two thirds of a beer deep. Um, what is the purpose behind the virgin birth? Like, why, like, it had to be that, like, what is it that that miracle does that points to God? Like, it couldn't be, 
like it couldn't like it couldn't have come from man or else it would have been evil like is that like how it is like so it god had to and i know that it's god's son right like that's that's it but i mean jesus calls himself the son of man um the entire time um and that whole concept and so it's just like i don't understand what that why it had to happen that way like would it have taken it away from what if jesus wasn't born from a virgin mother does that take away from who he is i think in fairness it probably would you think so just said there's the there's the just starting with the miracle needs to like from the get-go we need to have the miracle and then like that's how it goes from there or your question's a fair question boy man we we are so good at going on freaking rabbit holes on this <laughs> Wait, I mean, this is the no i'm no I'm, no i'm enjoying it uh <laughs> i'm just thinking out loud uh i guess it's a fair question and on the one hand, I, I see what you're saying, and then, then on the other hand, are we just looking at, then Jesus just becomes another Gandhi for, for modern c- comparisons. He's just another Gandhi. He's just another Martin Luther King where he's like, yeah, he's a really great man. Well, but mean, people aren't going to die for him. Although, people die for people all the time. Well, but, uh, that are just men. Well, I mean, like, yeah. The hard part is just like... Can you go, go, go. Here's what's interesting about what your question is. There are other, there, there's another instance in the Bible, but then there are other religions in the Middle East that have similar stories where it's a virgin birth giving rise to maybe not necessarily a Messiah figure, but some sort of great figure. In the, in the Nimrod tale of Babel, He's building the that story's a perfect. It, that's a great Old Testament story where it's like a couple paragraphs and you kind of blitz through it and you're like, "What did I just read?" And if you start digging into it, either by you know finding books about it, or if you read, I think in the Book of Enoch, it goes into much more detail. In the Book of Enoch, if you've ever heard of it and you're listening to this podcast and you're wondering, can I read that book? Yes, you can read it. It is not canonized. It hasn't been put as a part of the Bible, but it is not a book that is forbidden for you to read. And I've read it several times. It is fascinating. But anyway, Nimrod is building these great people up, and they're building these towers. They're basically... And, and if you read into the scripture, that part of Genesis, he's basically saying, I'm God. We don't need God. And his wife comes along and has a child, and she claims, she claims it's an immaculate conception. Now, there, there, are peop- there are people in the church, particularly more on the fundamentalist side. Um, John MacArthur is one of them. It's, this isn't a crazy claim. But there, you know, if you're if you're looking at that from a Christian perspective, you can it's a fair argument to say that is Satan early on trying to cast doubt on what he knows is coming 
is an immaculate conception by having people fling these things. And you can read into Nimrod that he's one of these kind of antichrist characters before the New Testament. Sure. So, uh, I'm glad you asked the question because that's what kind of what the whole podcast is about. Just ask questions that some people may be like, oh, dude, you know, you, you can't ask that. That's, that's kooky talk. I think it's a fair question. What would have changed dramatically? Because you still have, would have had Jesus doing all of the um, the miracles and all that. And I don't... There's no accounting from... There's no accounting from the rest of the scripture when he's an adult of them, people going around saying, Oh, that's the Immaculate Baby. And right. it's and it's it is talked about in the in the letters after the gospels, but it's not like, hey, remember he's the immaculate baby, right? And I think well, uh, so my speculation, and again speculating, this is purely in the realm of opinion, and you can tell me that it's a crazy opinion, and if you do, well, then you can just go to hell. Yeah, exactly. I is it's not fundamental anything. We're just spitballing here because I still think that there is a level of purity that is associated with the virgin, right? Like there's this idea of this is this pure being, right? And which is such an odd concept, right? Especially for us, where a lot of our a lot of our youth and a lot of people are highly sexualized, and there's you know sex sex cells and all that kind of stuff and that's a huge concept that yeah and people listening to this probably think mary was like 18 19 20 she's probably closer to 14 right if that that, and like maybe 12 right like um which i don't take away from any and i mean like again when your lifespan is only 40 years old uh, yeah your life expectancy is only 40 years old you're looking at for us you're looking at somebody that would technically be around the age of like 20 to 25 um because that's yeah, we can delay we can delay that because of lifespan and right. luxury so, and all that kind right. of. Thing. And so the priorities are like pretty much once you hit the the pubescent age, uh, you were pretty much ready to go in the next like year or two. Like you know, like it was uh, we need to get you going because again, life expectancy you need to be able to raise children. Children then take 10, 12 years, and so that would put you... Well, and children are labor. Right, 25 to 30. Children are labor, and if, depending on the sex, they're wealth building. Right, and so and so raising those children to where they are then able to be moved on to somewhere else and, and to have... You, you're looking at another 10 to 12 years of your life, so then by the time, if you started at 25, or you started at 12, or 13, and then you got to 25... 30 and thereabouts you only have 10 years of your life left before some disease is going to kill you by the time that you hit 40 to 50 years old which is not i mean that's just how it goes um that's life expectancy in ancient times um i have something to keep pulling on this ridiculous thread no this thread isn't ridiculous so i mean like there's there is it's not ridiculous there is value it that we or that people have placed on the the purity of the virgin that's still something today that is highly valued that's still something back and especially back then and even if you like do a lot of studies around like the middle east there is something about the virgin right uh i i'm not trying to speculate right like there's there's a lot of 
there's a lot of emphasis around this pure, untouched woman. Um, and so that's where it's like, I can see why that is such a huge, important thing uh, for there. But like, really, I don't know if that would have taken anything away from who Jesus was, if he, you know, like... For me personally, but for maybe for that area and for that time, like that was just such a huge thing. But again, like you said, nobody recognizes him as that um, or there's no accounts of that. I imagine it did have something to do with jo- the way how uh, the way Joseph raised him as well, because if it had been Joseph's seed. Even if the angel had m- met up with Joseph and told him, yeah, I know this baby that you think you just conceived. It's not actually yours. It's. It's God's, and so by every by all account that we can read into in the in the very few verses that are in there about Jesus's youth, Joseph is a father. He's a father figure, so he raised him. I'm sure as his own, but I'm sure there's also a level of hands off or kids kid gloves. Because this kid's not my kid. It's not in an unloving way, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I get you. I mean, like, we try to read into that so much as, I, I mean, that's the hard part is, like, I don't want to read too far into, you know, and try to connect dots or in Yeah, it's a fun exercise. I have the, so here's the, here's the really absurd one. James is the only one we're aware of of his siblings, right? We know that there's multiple siblings. But he's but only he's one name. He's the one that's named. And is he the oldest one? Or do we know? We just know that he's the brother. I, I'm gonna assume that he's the old. He's the next one. I wonder if there was a fight between J, J, James and Jesus when they were kids and youth, and James was like, "No, actually, you. I know you think you're the firstborn, and technically you are, but I'm the real firstborn." <laughs> I can see that happening. Plus, because James and him weren't all that. Isn't there an inference that they like he didn't? No, they don't get along. They don't get along. No, and uh, James, which is totally natural for james as a kid like oh and james so over this yeah and james doesn't believe that jesus is uh the son of god um he doesn't believe that for a long period of time and then it's speculated that he writes the book of james he's converted he understands and now writes the biggest piece of wisdom literature in the new testament it's um it's a huge book. It's, yeah, uh, it's one of the juggernauts of the New Testament. Um, you read that one, and that it doesn't pull punches. No. Um, the couple of things that are difficult to to discern. How does that work with other pieces of writing in the New Testament? Which we'll probably we'll probably have a podcast on James. We need to have one on Romans. We need to have one on Galatians. There's a, there's a lot of books in the Bible that we could have podcast episodes on series on but at some point james comes around um he eventually recognizes that uh jesus is who he says he is and he and he buys in um and so that that becomes uh something that's of note but yes there's there's kind of like this weird thing where james rejects his brother um and and we know it uh, and then somehow comes around at some point. Um, and yeah, you, you and becomes a giant in the church. I mean, like, what do you do when your son's or when your brother is, is literally perfect? Yeah. Like, no, I, I wouldn't, 
I wouldn't blame him. No. Like, Mom, how come you never get on to Jesus? Right. Because he literally does nothing wrong. It's always <laughs> it's always about Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like, golly, can you imagine, like, living with the perfect brother? And you'd be like, Kid, yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> I got I got all A's. And uh, meanwhile, like, you're saying, fuck that guy. <laughs> I still love you, James. And I'm like, fuck you. Like, get out of my face. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Who wouldn't? Dude, no, you're everybody true. would be it's that so way. true. <laughs> you're like, going to school, like, I, I, I beat that kid up last night. <laughs> he might be my older brother, but I punked him. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Oh, you did, huh? Oh, yeah. You, you almost kind of wonder... Because, like, you read Joseph in the Technicolor Dreamcoat, and Joseph does his, like, little, like, he's like, so I had this dream. Oh, yeah. Where you're like. You were all bowing down to me. <laughs> you know, you always got to wonder if Jesus was kind of that way as, like, a kid. You know, you're just like. Because, like, remember, like, he goes to the temple at, like, 10 years old. And, like, his parents are like, where is he? Where is he? And then they, like, go into the temple, and they find him, and he's teaching the rabbis. And they're like, Jesus, where the hell were you? Yeah. And they're like, and he's like, he's like, Father, don't you know? Yeah. This is where I'm supposed to be. And they're like, okay. Well, what's left out of that scripture is <laughs> how many how many miles outside of town were you before you figured out I wasn't with the group? <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, just so we're clear, if I were to say that to my father, my father would take off his belt and then proceed to whip my ass all the way back to Nazareth. <laughs> <laughs> If I gave that kind of response, <laughs> uh, you might be the son of God, but I'm still your mother. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and we see that in John with the uh, the wine. Yeah, situation. which we which we already <laughs> tore apart. About. <laughs> <laughs> he said, "Mom, it is not my time." <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, um, he's gonna make you guys some wine. <laughs> <laughs> he's really good at that. All right, another beer. Yeah, all right, another one. All right, we have beer round two, Incinerati. Between moments IPA. I've had Incinerati, Incinerati before, but been a while. This looks like... Mm, smells dank. Mm, it's tasty. This looks like... <laughs> the, the lettering is just what's throwing me. <laughs> It's kind of like a Jackson Pollock can with a very digital. Well, the digital is like, I mean, like you've got the independent cross here. It's almost like, like, uh, oh, golly. Dan Brown wrote freaking lettering. We got freaking Da Vinci Code lettering here. (laughs) Like the, we've got the cross. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's very uh, crusader. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, oh my goodness. Or, uh, oh, it's, uh, what's the super, not the superhero, but the DC comic, Constantine? Uh, I only know comics from the movies. There's a Constantine movie. It's, uh, John Constantine. That's a... Matrix. Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves? That's yeah, a... Keanu Reeves. That's a... He says he wants to play that guy again. I didn't know that was a. That's um. It's a DC comic. Comic book thing. Yeah. I thought it was some strange like. Uh-uh. 
Return Return of Lucifer or something. No, it's a DC Comics. Hmm. Uh, There's a superhero named, or not super. I guess he's not really like a superhero. I don't know. I don't know how DC works with their kind of stuff, but he he has comic books and it's John Constantine. Interesting. Yeah. All right. So, circling back to uh, Luke Luther. Luke. Wait, 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 wait. Were we talking about something? There was something that we said. We were still talking about Jesus and. Immaculate recep- reception, <laughs> inception. Golly, I had something else to say, but I guess I forgot it. So James. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know where we were, but I was like, no, no. All right, well, let's go back. Okay, so what? Let's get back to the Christmas part of this episode. Yeah. Let's get back to that. So when we get to Matthew, this will really punctuate the difference between the two. But in this one. I think what what's clear is Luke is trying to Luke is trying to lay the foundation that this is the king of kings who's been born but he's been born in meager circumstances meager circumstances he has Humble people that are coming to see him, right? That's point number two. The angels do not go see the elite, the rich, the glitterati of the day and announce to them a a king has been born um, and bow down to him. He goes when it echoes the it echoes Jesus's ministry all throughout the, the New Testament, which is I'm not here for the rich. I'm not here for the rich. The rich have everything. They don't need me. I'm here for the poor. I'm here for the poor. I'm here for the poor. Right. And it is the poor, you know, we assume, or at least the, not the rich, who are called by these angels to come in and basically uh, bear witness and praise this king who's been born. Yeah. Um, and that's awesome. That's something that Luke Luke does really well. Again, it's this burden-bearing Messiah. He is, he is out there with the people, and these are the people, and this is the representation that you're going to see of Jesus that we most associate with. That's because we all view ourselves, even the rich of the rich, still kind of view themselves in a trench at, at some point. And we all view ourselves as kind of this person. And, and Jesus is not the boss upstairs that is just shouting down orders and that kind of stuff. He's there with us, right? He's there for us. And so this is the king of kings. And he's... And the posse that comes to greet him is not knights, it's not nobles, it's not that... Um, which would normally happen right. if, there's, if there's the birth of a king. Instead, what it is, is it's the shepherds. And he's the shepherd's king. He's our king. He's our savior. He's our ruler. He is he's for us, those of us that are in the trenches and that kind of stuff. He is here for us. Um, he's our champion, so to speak. Um he comes to be a champion that we didn't expect. 
Um, and we'll talk about that lots more times about Jesus is something that nobody expected. Um, and if you look at Matthew, that's something more that you would expect. Yeah, so let me read Matthew. After Jesus was born, I'm in Matthew chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king to the Jews? We see his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. That's an... We'll get back to that in a minute. When he had called together all the people's chiefs, priests, and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. Quote, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Unquote. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star, and they had seen it rose and went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down to him and worshipped him. Then they opened up their treasures and presented him with the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream to go back to not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Continues on. Herod is said to have killed all of the firstborn born around that time. Joseph is told in a dream to go flee to, to uh, Egypt. Egypt. And then at some point later, they returned to Nazareth. Well, and here's a, here's a funny tidbit. Well, let me, let me, let me just, because you're going to, you're going to, you're going to hammer this. <laughs> when Herod realized that he'd been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity and who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. Quote, a voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. And then Herod dies soon after that and is replaced by his several sons, one of which is Herod Agrippa, who's also a piece of shit. So, a funny thing. Okay, so, like, again, we, we want to depict what's going on, and everybody knows this. Um, one, we always get the depiction that there's three magi, because there's three gifts. Um, there's not necessarily three. There's no speculation about how many there are. Um, three fit nice on a nativity scene. Three fit nice on a nativity scene, but here's also something that doesn't work with a nativity scene. Um, so constellations. Uh, one, it, it's funny with the uh, with the star, right? And and just based off of again nativity scenes, based off of old Christmas movies, all that kind of stuff. So you basically get this wonderful like beacon right in the sky, right? Like you're just like who 
who misses this, right? Like, Herod's like, where is he being born? What is this taking place? Meanwhile, there's a straight beam of light that's just shining over. Yeah, the no, these the Magi are astronomers. Right, they're astronomers. So they see that there is something, there's something off in the constellations where there is all of a sudden this new star. And remember, ancient people have a significantly, now I'm not going to say significantly better than a lot of people now. Well, I would say a lot no, of people I w- now. Yeah. Um, at understanding the stars they have that's it counting them is like a thing um you know when we look at the my calendar when we look at a lot of how they were able to do that when we look at sailors and how they were able to look at the stars and and be able to chart paths and that kind of thing all of the old all of the old ancient structures that still exist pre-roman time well even during pro-roman times all pretty much evolve around celestial objects moving in the sky. Right, exactly. And, which is amazing. Uh, impressive. Extremely yeah, we impressive. could we could do a kook, I, I could do a whole podcast of kooky talk where I'm certain there's all kinds of lost technology that they used to have that we don't have. And so, them being able to, again, they, they go by the constellations and that kind of stuff. So if they see like a they see a star that's out of place. And we're talking about movement. So now this is a star that's not in the night sky on a regular occasion. And so for those of you guys that don't understand, when there is there is a shift, right? As the as the world shifts in its in its round sphere, there there are certain ones that that come into play and are more prominence in the night sky. Um and that's where you get, believe it or not. That's where your um, astrology comes from. Yep. Okay. Um, is those are the that's the constellation that is most present in the night sky. You can actually watch. Um, there's different apps and stuff that you can find where you can look at what constellations are prominent. Um, where you can find them. There are some that are stagnant um, because of where your location is on the Earth and blah blah blah. So for them, what they did was they see this star that's out of place. They go and they follow it until literally it is right above them. Again, that's also moving with the changing of the seasons and to where eventually they get to Bethlehem and they say that the star is right above them. And then they meet the Messiah, which again, huge, huge, awesome situation. Phenomenal. That's that's. A miracle in and of itself, right? Because that's that's what is suggesting is happening um, through that. But also when they get there, you also need to understand that um, Jesus is not just born. Right. <laughs> it, it suggested that he is probably at this point, probably three, four years. And there's Renaissance uh, pictures that I think depict that where when they're there, he's, he's a healthy sized baby. Right. He's a toddler yeah. at this point. By the time that they get there. Um, so this is... this Again, we're just adding more realism to this story. Again, we're not trying to... We're taking away the whole like flannel graph nativity scene away from you. And just saying, hey, this is probably more realistic of what was going on. Um, so again, it doesn't take away from the miracle. No, in fact... Of the star, of, any, of anything. And if you understand the craziness of this situation... Because again, we're not looking at this giant beacon... That is just shining down upon Bethlehem. 
right? Like the people in Bethlehem are all of a sudden in Alaska in the summer and they're just like, when will the sun ever set? Like, right. Uh, that's not what's happening. Instead, it's it's this the star is pointing them and the, and they were able to get there and, and that kind of stuff and, and find Jesus through that. So they pay their respects. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to yawn. Um, and so just a really cool element of that. And that's just what I was going to point out. Okay. Let's delve a little deeper into it because these magi, it doesn't say where they're doesn't say matthew doesn't say where they're from it doesn't say but where would they be from tim well first first and second century there's there are a lot of sources contemporaneous to the time or soon after that all it suggests that they're from persia yes maybe from india but likely from persia and persia makes sense because Persia is part of the old Babylon Empire, and they probably have... And where is Persia located at, Tim? Today's modern Iran. Yep. But because it's because Persia's uh, part of the old Babylonian Empire, these are... Basically, the Magi are scholars. Yeah. They know astronomy. They know... And they, they're probably well-versed in all kinds of ancient texts and they have basically they have the old and they're not jewish by the way they're not jewish but because the jews had been brought there in exile in one of the diasporas they they have the teachings they have the writings they're probably inquisitive men and they've read them all and they knowing these and remember knowing these prophecies and yeah, Nebuchadnezzar converts. Right, exactly. And understanding that is huge. And understanding that he is that a lot of these guys have have been studying that, and probably these magi were people that were supposed to study these these Hebrew texts and acknowledge them. And they are paid, um, and they and they went to their king during this time, and they say, "Hey, although Persia at this time is ruled." Over by Rome because right the, yeah this is Alex, post uh, Alexander takes over this and is then post uh, Rome takes that over and so they are but also this is a not necessarily a golden age so to speak but because of the the Hellenistic influence because of what Alexander the Great did this is something that also helps people understand kind of what's going on so a lot of people think that because Rome held it that everybody was speaking Latin. No, they're no. Actually, the most prominent yeah, language up until like a hundred years after, I I think it's actually maybe yeah, like a hundred years after Jesus' death, and really when you get into like the Nero age, where it's like we need to be like Rome is Rome. Um, do they actually start speaking Latin? The huge prominent language because of Alexander the Great is actually Greek. So a large portion of this world is speaking Greek. Right. known world at this time is speaking Greek. You, you still have like the barbarian outskirts where they're doing their own thing, right? The Gauls and all that kind of stuff. But, but what you're getting right now is you're getting this huge area that is speaking Greek. And so, and the Persians have been 
have been held by the Greeks for a much longer time, right? Alexander conquered all this area and then Alexander died. There wasn't really a, a good successor and all that kind of stuff. And so the, the Rome was pretty much able to easily overcome them through that process, but they still kept all that Hellenistic influence. Yeah. Um, and so you have this really cool element here and Persia has, or Persia, what, it, what ancient terms Persia is, has been studying so many different things, right? There, there's so many awesome things that are going on, right? The Septuagint was created in Egypt where all these people gathered around, um, these scholars, these magi, if you will, all gathered in. They all went into separate rooms and wrote the Septuagint, which was they all single hand. There were 50 different scholars because Septuagint or, uh, means 50. And so they all went into different rooms. They all translated the Hebrew Bible out into Greek and they all came up with the same answer. And so that proved that this was the accurate translation of what the Hebrew Bible was. Um, and so this is like this really cool, amazing thing that happened. Um, if you have a Catholic Bible, um, you still use the Septuagint. Yeah. Um, as your Bible, Martin Luther said, it's not okay to not have it because there were a couple of books that were written in Greek. There's like three books that were written in Greek. And so Martin Luther is like, no, everything has to be has to be Hebrew Bible, um, and that's what counts as the Old Testament bubble. So this really cool stuff is happening, um, and so you have these people that are that are studying the Hebrew Bible in this Greek and in this format, and they're able to communicate with everybody around, and so they are trying to get to it. And so they were probably scholars that were designated to be in charge of understanding the Hebrew Bible and the Hebrew scriptures. And so they are looking up and, and they are seeing the signs fulfilled. These are the ones that, as it says, whereas it's written, these are fulfilled. And you go back and you look at the writings of Daniel and Jeremiah and all this kind of stuff. These, these prophecies, if you will, are being fulfilled, 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 fulfilled. And so they're like, this is, we got to go check this out. Yeah. And so they were probably paid lots of money to go out and check this out. This is a, their venture was paid for, um, where they were able to go and seek seek out this Messiah um, just for knowledge purposes. Again, we don't necessarily always view that as kind of what's going on. These magi are kind of like this mysterious thing, but also understanding they they do come from the east, um, and again that they're not Jews, right? But they recognize him as Lord when they see him. They understand that he is the king of kings. Um, these are guys that are not believers, but yet they show up and they are like. And they see him in this setting, right? He hasn't moved from Bethlehem at the time. Yeah, they're probably showing up in the same way our archaeologists would be like, you know, showing up like, oh, we're going to witness this thing or or he's going to be the king, but he's going to be, be the king just for the Jews. So it'll be cool. We'll, right. see, we'll, we'll see what happens in Judea. But when they get there, it's like, oh, no, 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 this is bigger than that and they give him kingly gifts yeah gold frankincense myrrh right and this is and yeah. all of those are symbolic right um gold for his life frankincense for his death myrrh for uh i think myrrh is for no maybe gold is for the birth myrrh is for the life and frankincense is for the death um you know these are and these are expensive gifts these are ones for kings. And they and so they recognize him as a king. 
Even though, again, he's born in a manger in Bethlehem. And he's this toddler just running around in the slums of Bethlehem. Um, or in this small town of Bethlehem. He's not living in a castle. He's not anything special at this point. And what's cool is that he continues... And I mean, like, you can say it's cool, but and I do say it's cool. That he continues to not be super anything special. Right. He continues to just be a person of the people. <laughs> and eventually gets murdered for it. So what's fascinating is we have these two accounts and they're not they're juxtaposed. They're not contradictory, but they're juxtaposed. Right. Which is really the life of Jesus. And I think it's really how as we as Jesus followers, some of us, some of us don't, I think to our detriment, maybe not to our detriment, who knows? I I struggle with it. Let's just put it, I'll put it in my terms, struggle with it. Jesus, on the one hand, is King of Kings. He is Lord of Lords. We have the, we have the imagery and the language of Revelation where he is to be worshipped and feared and all these other things. And yet we have Jesus himself, I think in John, almost admonishing the disciples saying, don't call me that, I'm your friend. Right, like we're you, we're friends. Right, you see, like because it, because John. Well, but yeah, but he says because because we, we're we're friends because you follow me because you like me and you 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 do what I want you. To, you. You follow me because we're friends. If not, then you'd be a slave, and I'm not looking for slaves. So we have this constant tension of he's the he's God. He's the he's this Lord. He's to be worshipped, but he's also a friend, and that's being set. A, that almost parent, uh, contradiction is being established right away at his birth in the two accounts. Well, and I think, uh, actually, the way that I would go about this is... Uh, so I'll go with the literature uh, aspect first, and then I'll go with uh, a modern-day example. I'd say first off, what I think of what I think of Jesus and kind of like in a literary example is I just think of um <laughs> because this is just such an iconic thing and that's why I would say that and I just kinda of thought of it right now. It's not like I think about this on a regular basis, but again when you think of for those of you that are unfamiliar or are not aware of King Arthur and the Round Table. Oh. You have is you know you have this this guy um, who has now sat there and said because you had this head of the table before right that's how kings would eat they had their their knights and the people that were with them they would they would be along and then there was the head of the table I am the head of the table and even now like even if you look in American households there's not round tables there's still the the elongated tables and even now like people are like i don't want to sit at the head of the table let's give it to the person of honor or the, the the person of this and so you still view it that way people still view it that way i remember growing up my dad had the head of the table um and it wasn't ever like a, a position of power like it didn't seem that way but everybody knew that was dad's spot like you don't you don't go and take that and so what jesus has done is he has opened it up and it is a round table 
Nobody that's more important than anybody else here. Everybody here is equal on the same playing field. And because of that mission and that vision that he has forecasted, and that, we still recognize him as king. Right. And so that's a huge thing. Huge thing. He's there with us. He says he's on our playing field, but yet we know that he is king. And so, in a modern example, how I view this is that this is, if you wanted to put it in a corporate setting, this is a boss that's in the trenches with you. This is a boss that sits there and bears the burdens with you. You still recognize them as your boss. You still submit to their authority and all that kind of stuff. But that person goes out there and they work hard every single day and they do things for you and they help everybody else and they view themselves in there with you. They're not sitting out there just dishing out commands. There's somebody that's there and saying, like, I know that this sucks. You know, like, we're in this together and they legitimately are in this together. Not the person that says that we're in this together and then, like, has no, like, affiliation. No, he's got actual skin in the game. Right, exactly. And that's who Jesus is and that's what he's trying to put forth for everybody there is I am one of you and we're going to become better together because he doesn't sit there and focus on their mistakes those that have messed up right he does focus on the mistakes of those that think that they haven't messed up the people that try to put themselves above other people, right? Those are the people that are trying to put themselves at the head of the table. Those are the people that are trying to put themselves closer to Jesus. And he's like, guys, you, you are with everybody else. We're all in the same playing field here. Again, what, what's, what he does with the Pharisees is not tell them that they don't belong there. It's more of a humbling exercise every single time that either you are missing the point or you need to recognize that that person mean has just as much value as you do. Right. It's not that you don't belong here. It's not that you're going to hell. It's not that I don't love you. No, it's those people that you say don't belong here have every right to be here just as much as you do. There's nobody that's better than anybody in here. And so that's what's just a huge thing when it comes to Jesus. And especially when we look at his story and we sit there and we see that this is the depiction that they have. He is still king. He is still Lord of Lords. And we recognize that. But we also recognize it because of how much he loves us and how much authority he gives us through that process. So that's just what I would say. We're, we're in an hour and a half. I think it's probably time to wrap it up. But before we wrap it up, do you have any final Christmas thoughts, suggestions? Um, can, I I sleep, can I sleep on your couch when uh, she opens up the <laughs> and it's not good? <laughs> yeah, I guess you're going to have to sleep on mine since your parents moved. That's right. The minor peds. Yeah, I know. Um... Pet does have a weighted blanket, and it's really nice. <laughs> I, yeah, I was hanging out there before we came over here because we had an, like an hour to kill after Kawia the before your birthday party started. So we went over there, and I just chilled out on his couch with the weighted blanket. It was like, mm, mm, I was like, <laughs> this is nice. 
It'd be helpful for my RLS. So anyways, yeah, no, I just need to sleep on your couch if you, uh, because Nolan's going to move away, so. That's true. Um, so my, I don't know, challenge, suggestion to everybody listening to this. Um, I know we all like to have Christmas with the family and we've got all these ideas of how dinner's going to be and opening the gifts and all that kind of stuff. And it's got to be perfect and all that. If you if you're somebody you work in an office or whatever the circumstances are, if there's someone you know, or a couple you know, or somebody who's going to be alone on Christmas, my challenge is: listen to Jesus. Think of them. Think of them as the the least. They probably don't want to be pitied. You're not doing it out of pity. But just invite them to your place for Christmas. Yeah. Give them a place to enjoy it. Christmas is not a time... People people all around the country, all around the world, have to deal with Christmas alone for a variety of circumstances. And a lot of it's not just, you know, it's like bad situations. It's just people still have to work. There are jobs that have to be done on Sunday and there are on Christmas and they're alone. But for those who, you know, maybe there's a young couple who's moved to town because he got moved there for his work and they don't know anybody. Just that kind of situation. Go out of your comfort zone. Invite them in your house. And I guarantee you, However much they tell you when when it's all done, they were blessed. They felt blessed and rewarded for it. You'll feel it a hundred times over. So with that said, Colton, you're welcome at our house for Christmas. (laughs) On Christmas Day? Oh my god. Uh, uh, You and your wife will have, I'm sure, stuff to do. We literally don't, but... Yeah. Are we still recording? We're still recording. Oh. So you're going to put me on the spot on what I'm doing on Christmas? No. Because I have no idea what I'm doing on Christmas either. So. <laughs> yeah, I was like, parents moved away. I don't. I have currently no plans whatsoever on Christmas Day. I was like, we're hanging out with her parents on Christmas Eve and on Christmas Day. We have no plan. All right, then settled. You're coming over at least for a while. So Just come by, drop. Come by, by, watch some football, hang out. They have football on Christmas Day. I thought it was oh, just basketball. Games. No, I think they got football now too. Oh, it's college football. I mean, like I like college football. Uh, no, I think there's an. I think there's an NFL game too. Maybe I feel like not. I said that. Well, I guess it will be on a Sunday. Yeah, I think there will be. Anyway, the holiday bowl. No, the holiday bowl is on. Uh... Isn't that one on, like, Christmas Eve, usually? That one's usually on Christmas Eve. The Aloha Bowl in Hawaii used to be on Christmas Day, but that one comes and goes because nobody really likes going to Hawaii. And it's really expensive to put on a bowl game. Have you been to Hawaii? Yeah. You didn't like it? I don't think the football players like to go. Oh, okay, the football players. But, like, people, when they go to Hawaii, usually I hear they have a good time. I didn't know that. Yeah, it depends on what part of, you know, Wahoo. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) Never been, so I have no clue. 
<laughs> I've only been once. I've only been once, and I've only been to Oahu, so I have no no clue about the Big Island or uh, Kauai or Maui or any of it. All right. We thank you for listening to the Go to Hell podcast. As I said at the beginning, please subscribe, rate, and review so other people can find out about the podcast. We actually are on more than iTunes now. We're on Spotify and Amazon and TuneIn and a bunch of other places. Google, you need to get your act together and get us approved. That's the big one we're waiting on. Yeah, for real. Uh, send us your comments. Uh, you can go to go to helppodcast.com. We're on Substack, go to Hell Podcast. We're on Twitter, go to Hell Pod. Find us on Twitter and Instagram, whatever. I don't know. Go to Hell. A newborn king to see, pa-rum-pa-pum-pum Our finest gifts we bring, pa-rum-pa-pum-pum Rum-pa-pum-pum, rum-pa-pum-pum Peace on earth, can it be Years from now, perhaps we'll see our finest day of glory. Say the day of living peace. So peace on earth when we come. child must be made aware Every child must be made to care Care enough for his man To give all the love that he can I pray my wish will come true as for my child and your child too I'll see my day of glory I'll see my day when men of good will live in peace live in peace again peace on earth Can it be? Can it be? It's a pretty thing, isn't it?